Hey guys, we, we love uh, to host. We, we love it when guests come here. We love to serve. We love to do all we can to improve the mission where you are. The, the only thing uh, sometimes that, that gives me pause is that um, you, know, you walk into a place like this and Shane and Shane are there and there's two HD screens and you, you're tempted to go back and say, well, we don't have that. We can't, do, we can't do ministry like you guys do or it would just be at a much smaller scale. And I just want to free you up from that right off the shoot. That's probably my only concern about this conference is that you would get wrapped up in numbers, size, scale, scope. And I want to remind us as we start that this is all about getting it right one time. Because when we get it right one time, you have not, no idea what can happen from here. Okay, let's watch this. Roll and I met in college. We dated and we did everything fast. We got married and right out of college, we um, had babies. Church was something that we did only on Sunday. And every Sunday there were four of us that walked in and sat in the pew and, and listened only to go home and put the Bible back on the nightstand and live our life the way we had wanted to for the rest of the week. A lot of our time uh, began being just being invested with our children. And so we began to turn outward and I began going to a gym in the afternoon after school. And one afternoon I met someone and led to multiple conversations, which led to phone calls, which led to texting and, and anything that I could do on the internet to have contact with this person, I did, until I made the decision to have an affair. One particular evening, the girls called me back into a room and had up on the computer my secret world. Um, phone calls, messages, names, phone numbers, the whole bit. And I just stood in front of them and I said, I, I need to be the one to tell your dad. So as the story began to come out, just um, the hurt and the pain that rushed in was unbelievable. When she told me, um, it shocked me, but she just kind of gave me the Swiss cheese version of what happened. But after doing a little investigating that day and talking to a few people, I knew it was a lot more. We ended up going to counseling and ended up talking to a, a couple that counseled couples with uh, marriage problems and then they ended up pointing us to Watermark. We showed up the next Wednesday night. There was a couple that came to the front and began to share a story about their marriage and the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, they, they are really talking about what's going on under that roof and nobody does that and I just remember kind of squirming in the chair and but then there was a part where I just found myself leaning forward on the edge of the seat and as she began to share just the brokenness in their marriage and then how she quickly came back in with how God came and God healed and put a marriage back together and I just was hooked. I, I was coming to re-engage with, with the, the one that didn't have the issue. It was Susan. And so I was really there about getting her fixed mm -hmm. and not me. So we come back the next week and we go to what's called open group. I wasn't ready to divulge any of the truth at that point, but just to have somebody give us a place where it was safe, where we could come and, and be with other people that were willing to work on their marriage as well was huge. And then once we got into a closed group, 
being in that circle with about four or five other couples that we kind of spent some time with earlier and then having a leader couple just began to show us biblically what a marriage is supposed to look like. Re-engage for the first time, it was just a pivotal point for me in that the Bible just came alive. Whenever a couple would come in or we would come in and we'd have issues, there was always a biblical principle there for us. There was always something there that, that God had that we could hold on to. As we really began to do that and to just vertically align ourselves with Christ, that horizontally the marriage began to heal. So um, we finished Reengage. We are in the best place that we've ever been in our marriage. The ministry team asked us to come to re-engage and help out. So we show up on Wednesday night, and uh, then we find out that night that, hey, you guys are gonna give your testimony. We said yes, and it was, uh, it was scary, but uh, we did it, and I remember thinking, this is it, I can't come back here. And um, I had a secret. The infidelity didn't start with Susan in 2008, it started with me in the year 2000. I called a friend up that I actually had journeyed through re-engage with. He said, Raw, you, you can have a good marriage. But he said, just know if you never tell Susan, you'll never enjoy the love and the intimacy uh, that God wants for you, that God wants for your marriage. That night, I just said I had to tell her. So it was late at night, and I told her. And I actually thought that it might go pretty well, but it didn't go real well at all. I ended up leaving the house that night. About 1.30 in the morning, I got a phone call from a different guy in our community group. And he said, Raw, you need to come home. So I drove home and before re-engage, and when Susan had mentioned and had told me what had happened with her and uh, had confessed to me, uh, we didn't have anybody really. But here's three couples in our in our room in our house that loved us both and uh, that were there uh, at 1.30 in the morning. And so uh, Susan always says, you know, who shows up at 1.30 in the morning? And it's God's people. Oftentimes when we think about what re-engage really is, we think about the three components and it's God's Word, God's people, and God's Spirit. And so that night we got to see that come to fruition just to have people just coming in and loving us and pointing us to His truth. And then to follow up with us the next day and the days that followed saying, hey, we're willing to shepherd along beside you. After Rawls Peace came out and we realized, man, we have laid everything on the line. You know, it's, it's true. The truth does set you free. And it just allowed God to begin to move and work in our lives in a way that we just never thought possible. Reengage brought to us the urgent need for us to follow Christ. It has put our marriage in a place to where uh, we understand when it talks about oneness in Genesis, what that means. Uh, and that we're not out for each other, we're, we're out for us together. I sat in church Sunday after Sunday, and I, I did what church people do. They come in, they have their Bible, they're seated, and they're ready to take in whatever the preacher's gonna bring that day. And then when we did the meet and greet, the stand up and shake the hands of the people around you, I did a really good job of saying, I'm fine. Susan, how are the girls? How's your husband? Hey, we couldn't be better. But what you did not know about us was the night before a fight 
had broken out in our home that was absolutely out of control. Nor did you know that my bags were packed and ready to leave at a moment's notice. You had no idea that I had been in the church bathroom reapplying makeup so you couldn't tell that I had been crying. Nor did you know that just a week prior to that had spent the night in a hotel room with a man that wasn't my husband. What I thought that Sunday that I sat in these very seats, I thought, what will people think if they know our story? Will we be judged? Will we be shamed? Will they look away? Will they love us? Will they accept us? This God that I hear about every Sunday, is he really going to forgive this? Then I thought, do they have any idea that 911 calls have been made to our home when fights were incredibly out of control? And just a word to the wise, don't fight naked and call 911. They come. And if you hang up on them, they send back up. And when I think of just how horrific those nights were, the throwing of items in our living room, the words of profanity that we yelled and screamed at one another, words I didn't know either one of us even knew, and the things that I burned in the fireplace. Gary Thomas, I need to ask your forgiveness. In the moment of rage, I wasn't feeling so happy or holy and soon realized that sacred marriage could really give some fuel to the fire. But since then, I've bought multiple copies and have been able to share God's story with those in crisis. So Gary, I love you and thank you. I share this story with you because every marriage has a story. And, and couples that are sitting in your church, they have a story. People like me are sitting in your worship centers Sunday after Sunday. Why do you need to love people like me? Why? Because you need to show us our need for Jesus. Cox Party of Four did a really good job every Sunday of just sitting in the seats. Cox Party of Four now understands the love and the grace and forgiveness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so what I get to share with you now is a little photo story of what the Lord does when he heals one marriage. Psalm 107.2 has just become one of my faves. When people look at us and say, how in the world do you tell that story? I quickly come back with, how can we not? Psalm 107.2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so right now I wanna tell you what God has not only done in our marriage, but what the Lord has done in our children, our extended family, our neighbors, our community and beyond. Meet my family, Kristen is the blonde, Brittany the brunette, my husband, Raul. See, Kristen was watching the whole thing play out in our home. 
She saw the devastation. She heard the confessions from both sides. She began to see the Lord at work in both her mom and her dad. We had no idea that Kristen, while away at college, was living a lifestyle absolutely out of control. So far away from the Lord, it would make your head spin. But as she began to see the power of the Lord show up in our home, Kristen began to radically pursue Christ, jumped into community group here at Watermark and began running hard after Jesus, diving in his word, complete life change. From that, she's traveled on a couple of trips just sharing the gospel to Guatemala and Brazil, just stopping in villages and just sharing others what Jesus Christ has done in her life and in our family. Traveled with a team, Mission of Hope, building homes, and while not only meeting their need of shelter, but also meeting their need of what would give eternal life by sharing Jesus. We have a family. Our nephew, Josh, began wondering, hey, Kristen, why are you not coming with us on the weekend to party, to drink, to live it up? What, what is it? Why are you not coming to be a part of that scene anymore? Kristen had a chance to tell him, hey, Josh, I no longer need the liquid lover. I have found Christ, and let me tell you what he's done in my life. And as she began to walk with Josh and just share Jesus with him, Josh's life, 360, came to know the Lord. The girl that he was dating, not following Christ at the time, as Josh began to lead out the way the Lord has called him to, Casey's heart then began to fall in love with Jesus, reignited her faith, and I'm happy to tell you, they were married in our backyard about a year ago. And then as the Lord began to continue to work in his life, you'll see some scenes of baptism. My favorite is the most recent in the kiddie pool. Josh shares Jesus with everybody he meets. And if pray to receive Christ, he's like, let's fill that pool, let's get you baptized. It wasn't just Josh. His mom, who at the time was living with a man that wasn't her husband, Donna's began to see just this radical change in her son of, hey, you're no longer doing the things that you used to do. What is it about your life that's so different? It's Jesus. Not only did Donna's marry the man that she'd been living with, but is now plugged in in pursuing Christ. Those that were watching Donna's, her daughter Chelsea, the bottom of the screen, see she too was following the footsteps of her mom and at the time was living with a man that wasn't her husband. Chelsea began to follow Christ to get plugged back into a church and her, her now husband Nick came to know the Lord in that process. Maggie and Ryan, Six months ago, divorce papers were on the table and they were living in Virginia. And as we began to track with them and share the hope and the power of the gospel, Maggie and Ryan packed up everything they owned and moved to Dallas, went through re-engage, marriage restored. I cannot wait to see what God's gonna do in that family. Daughter number two, Brittany. We had no idea, but Britt was struggling with just depression and an eating disorder during all of this mess. 
And as she began to watch just the power of Jesus show up in our home, and a mom and dad moved through confession, forgiveness, and healing, she came forward and confessed got her into recovery, and she began just radically pursuing the Lord. You're gonna see some pictures of her speaking to young adult groups. She teaches eighth grade. On Tuesday afternoons, this kid is leading Bible studies in a public school. The girls in the bottom corner are girls that she disciples that are now in college. She came to us and said, hey, I feel the Lord calling me to go into ministry work. And we said, okay, what are you thinking? She said, I'm going to Africa. We said, hey, you know, there's Arlington, Fort Worth, there's Dallas. She said, nope, I'm, I'm headed to Mozambique. Packed up a backpack, put it on her back, got on the airplane by herself, joined 289 other young adults, lived in huts, and just shared the gospel and loving on orphans. Jack is our next door neighbor. Jack noticed that there were no longer police cars <laughs> at the Cox house. He also noticed that there were no longer burnt tire tracks in the driveway or the squealing of, of somebody leaving out of anger. And Jack began hanging, hanging around, like, what, what's going on? You guys, are, you're not who you once were. Brittany engaged in conversation with him and just began meeting with him periodically and she just began to share the reason for our joy and share with Jack what it would look like to follow Jesus. I'm happy to tell you, Jack has made that decision to follow Christ and he now owns his very first Bible at the age of 20. And so we're, we're just looking to see what the Lord's gonna do through this young man's life. At the time, I was a school teacher. As word of our story got out and began to spread throughout the school building, parents and teachers soon learned. In the afternoon after school, it wasn't uncommon for my classroom door to open. And when an adult walked in and said, hey Susan, have you got a minute? There's something that I wanna talk to you about. That soon became code for, hey, I'm struggling in my marriage and I've heard that maybe you and your husband can help. I can't tell you how many days after teaching, reading, and writing in history and geography that I got to tell the greatest story of all. It's how Jesus redeems, Jesus restores, and Jesus heals. There's a picture of a church. One of the ladies on our staff was a member of another church. She was one of the gals that came into the room and said, hey, have you got a minute? And I'm just so ecstatic to tell you that she's now leading Reengage at another church with more to follow. I hope you're tracking. It's not just the marriage that is healed. The rippling effect of Jesus Christ and the ribbon of the Lord's Spirit that leads and flows and bleeds into everything that it touches changes lives. We were a member of Lake Point Church at the time. We went to our leaders and said, hey, we wanna tell you all about this ministry the Lord has used to help restore our marriage. And this same ministry the Lord is just taking and spreading across, and what do you think about getting this up and, and going at Lake Point? Finally, when we talked to them long enough, they just said, okay, we'll give it a shot. Night one, 550 people in our community came. It is Amazing what the Lord is doing. 
got a call from Lake Point, and they said, hey, we're, we're thinking about doing a marriage conference in Africa. What do you think? You guys interested? It's like, heck yeah. We had a chance to share with them what it would look like to help implement a marriage ministry in their own churches. Can see, here's why this really hit home. Our friends in Africa are watching what America's doing. We had a chance to interview one of the pastors, and this is what he said. He said, we marry the way you do, and now we're divorcing the way you do. When we see that you so quickly can hit the delete button and go on to somebody else or something else, he said, we're, we're following your lead. We met with Samuel, Moses, and Lawrence, and we said, hey, let's show you a way to move these couples back to Jesus. These three guys are leading the charge in Ghana. We pray for them, and just we cannot wait to see the Lord change that entire country. Last August, we got to stand in the sand in Hawaii. And both of our girls were standing in front of us and they each had their Bible open. And we got to celebrate 30 years of marriage as Kristen and Brittany did the vow renewal. And I thought at that moment, standing in that very ground, I thought, who does this? Who puts a marriage back together when the world's telling you, hey, that's the red letter A. You might as well get a divorce, it's done, it's over. And just to stand there in that moment and be reminded of what the Lord can do. There are hundreds of stories. Each one of those little circles has dozens and dozens of stories of life change that follow. I don't have time, they'd run me off the stage, I don't have time to tell you all of them. But here's what I want you to know. When God heals a marriage, it blesses our children. It ignites those around us to ask us why. It gives us every opportunity to share the gospel and it ignites others to follow Christ as well. It also strengthens the church as godly marriages help grow the body. And it's not just the church, it strengthens the community and beyond. One marriage where multiple lives have been affected, it's no secret that the state of marriage in our country is struggling. See, what's really crazy about it is I held the redemption plan in my hand every Sunday that I sat in this seat. It was God's word. And we've got to help couples see what that plan is and how to find their pathway back to Christ. Some of you might be thinking, why start a marriage ministry? Why? Here's why. Because when God heals a marriage, it reaches your kids, their friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, a lost world. And some in this room might be thinking, how can we do this? How can we start a marriage ministry on top of all the other things that we're doing? And the question that I would wanna ask you is, how can you not? You know what? You heard Todd say earlier in John 2 that over the next two days, we're going to pour into you ideas, 
curriculum, outline tips and tools, ways to help you implement a marriage ministry in your church or perhaps even improve an existing one. But more importantly, I hope that we inspire you to act. I think of Act 1-8, that we are his witnesses and we are to go to the four corners of the earth. Matthew 28 has called us to go and make disciples. God has given us everything that we need to pour into the lives of these marriages that are in our church. I think Tim Savage said it best in his book, No Ordinary Marriage. A Christian marriage is distinct. It occupies every corner of society. It contains everything that it brushes up against into something brighter and better. When people see a Christian marriage, they ought to be overwhelmed by the incandescent splendor of our Lord. If this is what God has done in the last four years, I can't wait to see what he's gonna do in the next 20. Thank you for being here. You know, as, I was pray- as I was praying last night for our time, I was thinking about what, what an irony uh, Susan Cox sharing her story is here today. Because I remember when she came to our church, and when she came to re-engage, she'd hop on an elevator and she would pull her ball cap all the way down. And she would pull it down to here because she didn't want to make eye contact with anybody. And we normally ask people to sign in and put a name tag on, and she wouldn't use uh, her name. She wouldn't put a name tag on. She wanted to stay anonymous. She didn't want anybody, anybody to know her story. And how ironic um, that story blessed us um, and has given us hope and a vision of what could be uh, in our churches. And I hope that gives you a vision for what could be in your place. Guys, I, I mean, I, those who know me know I, I love to have fun. I love to tell jokes. I want to make you laugh right now. <laughs> um, But I think more than anything, I want you to understand the theme of this conference, that this stuff matters, that marriage matters. And that's what I want, that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. And the the reason this matters, I I literally, I thought about what would would it look like to lock the doors and just keep you in here all day long and tell you how much this matters. And it's like, so we can slide lunch under, Uh, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, I'm just going to take 15 minutes. I want to give you three reasons why this matters. First, this matters because our cities matter. Jeremiah 29, 7, when the people of God were in exile, not when they were fat and happy, but when they were in exile, God said to his people, I want you to seek the prosperity and the peace of the city you live in. Even though it, this isn't your city, even though this isn't really your home, I want you to seek what's best for your city. And if your city's like my city, Wow, my city's a mess right now. Dallas has the highest rate uh, of childhood poverty in any city over a million. Right here in Dallas, not some big scary city up north, right here uh, in Dallas. So why is that? Well, there's a, there's a ton of reasons uh, for that. But I think um, the biggest one is that we've got a real divorce problem here in Dallas. And for every, uh, and, you know, every year kind of trailing stats, there's 13,000 marriages in Dallas County. There's also 8,000 divorces. And if you look at any research, you do any kind of, uh, you know, kind of number crunching, there is no better lever you can pull to fix a community than to fix the marriage problem. 
right? Raj Chetty, who is at university, or he's at, he's at Harvard, he's done a bunch of research around what, what pulls kids out of poverty. And he found the number one predictor of that was a community that the kids lived in, but not, not with probably the, the things that you would think about that community. What it was was how many, uh, how many kids live with single parents and how many kids live with intact homes. And when there was more intact homes, a kid had a better shot at getting out of poverty. When he was surrounded by single parents, there's a really good shot he would stay there. Right? This could be our best opportunity to love our cities in a, in a really long time. And Christians historically have always loved their cities. When there was famine, we brought food. When there was plagues, we ran to the city instead of away because we wanted to meet the physical needs. We do have physical needs in our city. That's, that's not going away. But I think there's a, a much more profound and even more strategic need in our cities, and it's relational. It's relational with God, and it's relational between husbands and wives that many people are just kind of giving up on. And if we deeply cared about our city, if we wanted to see education uh, scores go up, poverty go down, crime go down, the best lever we can pull, the best lever we can pull is to fix marriages in our city. Guys, this matters because the cities that God has placed you in matter. And there's this whole buzzword in churches right now called missional engagement. And churches are looking desperately for ways to serve and love their city. And they're doing a lot of really amazing things. Right? Education, mentoring, low-income housing. I, I suggest we do all of that. But if you really want to serve your city, you really want to see the needle move, you're going you're gonna to help relationships. And I talked to a pastor. I was so encouraged Last year, he said, we, we thought about doing all that stuff. And we looked around, we walked, we walked our streets, we talked to our people, and we said, if we really want to love our city, we should fix the relational problems in it. And so we're going all in. We're going all in on marriage and family. And I really do think that's one of the next frontiers for us as we think about missional engagement. Our cities matter, and our churches matter. Why does this matter? It's because the church matters. And I remember hearing Bill Hybels 20 years ago stand in some audience somewhere, tell me that the hope of the world is the church done right. The church done right is the hope of the world. And I just latched onto that. I remember being in my 20s going, I've got 60, years, 60 good years left. I want to be about that. Because the mission of the church matters, I want to be about strengthening the church. And it's really hard to imagine anything you could do in your church that would have a bigger impact on the strengthening of your church. Attendance would go up. Evangelism would go up. Discipleship would go up. Giving would go up. And instead of people worrying about trying to make their relationships work and being all stressed out, you could release an entrepreneurial spirit in your church that's pent up and ready to just bust out. If you could fix the relational issues um, in your church. And this isn't merely a pragmatic move. It's supposed to be the thing that marks us. Right? It's supposed to be our calling card. And right before Jesus left, you know that he looked at his disciples and he said, Hey guys, when I, when I leave, the way people are going to be able to spot you, the way you will be distinct, is the way that you love one another. John 13, 34, and 35. Right? That's how people will know. If you all look the same, otherwise they will know that you love each other and that will be your distinctive in this world. 
And if we got it right, I think it would be the thing that we were known for, and I think people would come uh, to us because there are things in our community that we know, uh, institutions, we know they do what they do well, so we go there. So, for example, in your community, when, when your kids graduate high school and they want to start their careers, they go to a university or to a college, preferably the best one they can find. Because they know if they go there, they will be prepared for what's next. And I think if we did this right, if we realized how much this mattered, we would get this right and we could become the relational university in our city. And when people wanted to learn about relationships, they wanted to start, before they, before they got married, they would come to us because they would say, they're the ones that do that better than anybody else I know. Everybody I know that's went there for their premarital counseling or training, they come out the best. I want to go to school where they went to school. In our cities, we've got hospitals. I have no idea how a hospital works, but I know that when I'm sick, when someone I love is sick, that is the first place I go because they'll get well if I can just get them there. And guys, I think if we do this right and we, and we realize how much this matters, I think we could become the relational hospital in our cities. And people would say, I have no idea. They use funny words and language. I don't know what church is like or what they do there. But I just know if I could get my friend there, or if I, would, if I could get there, my, my marriage would be okay. What if that happened? Right? And another one I think about is, is kind of the whole, you know, um, health club. I don't know about in your city, but there's a whole cult of CrossFit growing, uh, kind of springing up now uh, in Dallas. People who never eat uh, rice or... Uh, or uh, bread. Like what, a, what a lousy life, you know, and they do workouts that just about kill them. But there's no denying that when a couch potato goes to a CrossFit box for a year, their body changes. And I've had friends that say, I just keep showing up. And this happened. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. It's amazing. You're not the same person. I just kept showing up. And what if the connotation in your community was that if you just keep showing up at that church, your marriage will get better. If you hang around those people with amazing marriages, you will have an amazing marriage. What if that was our connotation? I think it could be the case. I think it should be the case. And I love it when I see little inklings of it here at this church. I remember being in our pre-married class, and one gal came up to us, and she said, uh, I don't believe in God, but the best marriages I know go to church here. And my friends told me I should start my marriage here. Is that okay? I said, welcome. Welcome. We found it's an amazing side door into the church. And people will come to marriage stuff that they wouldn't come to on on a Sunday morning. And so in my neighborhood, right, I've I've invited friends. We're in a great study, uh, you know, on on the book of Ephesians. You'll learn our time. Come with me. Nah. This Bible study thing, you're, I mean, we're, we're talking through the names of God. You'll love it. Eh. I've, I'm actually speaking on Sunday morning. It doesn't happen a lot. It would mean a lot to me if you'd come to my church and listen to me. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> None taken. But, true story, on my, in my neighborhood, I know you're getting married. Uh, we've got something that's really amazing to help couples get, get ready to be married. Would you come? Yeah, I'd come to that. I've got something at my church that will help you become a better dad and a better husband. I'll go with you. Are you interested? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. 
People that would never come through the front door are coming through the side door. And re-engage um, last year in one month, we had a Muslim couple, a Hindu couple, and a Buddhist couple come through our doors. It sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? <laughs> but I think it's the beginning of a beautiful story. And one of those in particular have been introduced to the person of Jesus Christ. And they were not walking the streets of our city going, is, is there a church that's going verse by verse through the book of Romans? Because chapter 12 is a little confusing to me. Can you help me? But they did say, I've got some relational issues. I heard you guys can help. I'll go. Guys, this could be the church's finest hour. God could use us in our communities. In fact, 50% of the couples that now come to our pre-married class don't go to our church. 50 to 60% of the people that come to re-engage every Wednesday night, you'll see them in here have no connection, no connection to our church. And so Tim Keller said the church used to be known for charity, chastity, and integrity. And charity used to be a distinctively Christian uh, venue. That was our deal. We started orphanages. We cared for the, uh, the sick. Well, now you're just as apt to be a non-believer and do that as, as a Christian. We still own uh, kind of, you know, chastity, integrity. Those are still supposed to be our things. And so people are wondering what's going to mark us going forward. And I really do think it's love. I really do think it's relationships. And the church depends on it it's so much more, I think, than we even understand. Because the, the West is kind of giving up on God. Newsflash, if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't heard. And here's how the traditional narrative goes. The West kind of was Christian. It got kind of fat and happy. Um, a little bit distracted, it gave up on God, and then it gave up on family. And uh, Mary Everstadt's work, uh, in a book that I'm reading now, is just kind of blowing my mind. She said, that is actually all wrong. The way it goes is the West gave up on marriage and family. It turns out that was the best venue for uh, religion and, and church to happen. And so as the West gave up on family, the West gave up on God. To the extent that the West is giving up on family, the West is giving up on God. And so literally the very future of our church depends on us getting this right. Guys, this matters because it matters to our church. This matters to our cities. It matters to our church. And I'll tell you a third reason why this matters. It matters for our children. And you would think um, at this point I'm going to talk about how the... Um, the mission of Deuteronomy 6 is better pulled off in the family where mom and dad love each other and, uh, and they're following Jesus and they pass that on to their kids. That, that's a great message. But I don't want to talk about every kid. I want to talk about four that are the most important uh, to me. And so I brought a picture of them 10 years ago. And this is when they were sweet. And uh, <laughs> they thought I was amazing. We're driving and dealing with boyfriend, girlfriend, all that kind of deal. And another 10 years, and another 10 years, they'll be married and many of them will be in your cities. Many of them might come to your church. And so I, I don't know what that's going to look like, I, I, but I've, I've played it through. What kind of heartache would it be if my kids had relational issues and I got that call, the call that we would all fear if we had a son or daughter that was married and, they had grand, and we had grandkids tied up in the whole deal? Hey, Dad. We're not doing well. And by not doing well, I mean she's saying she wants a divorce. 
and I think this thing's over. She asked specifically not to talk to you, so I don't know what else you can do, Dad, but just pray. Would you and Mom pray? And she said, it's crazy, she said there's this church around the corner. She said she would go there once because they've got something for marriage, just kind of as a last-ditch effort. Can you imagine in that moment the prayers of my wife and I laid out on the floor? Because at that moment, your church, your church would be my only hope. Jesus Christ through your church. And if you got it right, then my grandkids grow up with mom and dad. And if you phone it in, you're not excellent, you don't point them back to Christ, you don't show them grace, in that moment, my family's toast. And there's lots of different churches, and we can be honest in this country, right? There's the churches you would be glad for your kids to go to, and there's the churches you're praying, dear God, please don't let them go to that church. And guys, this matters. Because my kids, my kids deserve your best if they go to your church. And if you haven't got there already, even more importantly than being my kids, because these guys are followers of Christ, God calls them his sons and daughters. You better take care of my kids if they show up at your church. But they're God's sons and daughters. And they deserve your best. They deserve your best. And I'm going to ask you to bring it. Not just go back and do some tired little program or call it good, but to bring your best for God's sons and daughters. Because as you've already saw with Susan's story, each marriage is a lot like a domino. And if you get this right, each time you get this right, even if it's only once, don't get caught up with all the numbers. Even if you just get it right one time, you have no idea what will happen from here, right? Each marriage matters deeply. Why? Well, because this domino right here, this domino has got four kids. And if you can get this domino to fall just right, and you get mom and dad to love God and love each other, it will have an impact on these four kids. It doesn't stop there. They've got coworkers. They've got people on their street. They have got people that they will never meet, and surely you never will either. That if you get it right one time, you will have an impact. So guys, this matters. It matters. I'm going to ask you to bring your best. I'm going to ask you to go back to where you, where you came from and bring it. Bring it. Don't get caught up in the numbers. I want you to get caught up in the one. And let God take care of the cascading effect. But I want you to bring your best. I want you to get it right. Even if, even if it's only one time. Hang on, hang on.